The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Two names you can guarantee will be in the news this coming year are Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese. This episode will give you a look at the bloke we elected Prime Minister and the guy who wants to be Prime Minister. Squiz Shortcuts is your shortcut to more than the headlines. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Let's start, Claire, with our Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, or ScoMo, as he likes to be called. I may at times refer to him as ScoMo. You refuse to. (laughs) I can't do it. (laughs) It's just more efficient that way. (laughs) Morrison is the member for the federal seat of Cook. He won that seat in the election that the Howard government lost in 2007. It's an electorate that covers what's called the Shire in Sydney, goes from Kurnell through to Cronulla. He's born and bred in Sydney's east, and it seems politics runs in the family, Claire. Morrison's father, John, was a police commander. He was also a local government councillor and for a time he was mayor. Uh, He died at the start of 2020, so there was a bit said about him at that time. And in one of those really warm and fuzzy fireside chats uh, in the videos that came out in the elections, his mother, Marion, described Scott as a kid who was very good at school but a complete terror at home. I'm sure that many mothers describe their kids like that. (laughs) During that time, he was also a child actor and appeared in some big brand ads. This is something I can't glaze over. Tell us more. Look, he's been a bit cagey about releasing the details. And (laughs) look, it's not for the journalist lack of trying to dig up some of those clips. One that he fessed up to was an ad for Vicks Cough Drops. Okay. Can't find any evidence of it though. Apparently it's true. (laughs) His acting must have caught the eye of his now wife, Jenny, who he met at the age of 12 at a church youth group outing at Luna Park. They didn't start dating until a few years later, 12 is quite young, and married in 1990 when they were both 21. They have two daughters, Lily and Abby, and they've talked publicly of their struggle to conceive. It took quite a while for them uh, to have children, in fact 14 years, and it wasn't until Jenny had some surgery to treat her endometriosis um, that very quickly after that she fell pregnant with their first child. At age 39. From his personal life to his career, he's a former New South Wales director of the Liberal Party. He was also then head of Tourism Australia, where he oversaw the famous or or somewhat infamous now campaign, Where the Bloody Hell Are You? That was the one that featured Lara Bingle. We can't forget it. Can't forget it. Can't forget it. Um, During his tilt to win a seat, though, there was a bit of luck involved in Morrison becoming a Member of Parliament. Yeah, that's right. In 2007, he lost pre-selection for the seat of Cook, uh, securing just eight votes. was knocked out in the Mm. first round. But the candidate who was pre-selected was forced to step down under a cloud of controversy. That was about whether he was branch stacking and really doing Mm. some things that you can't do when you're looking for pre-selection. That controversy was actually later shown to be false, but it was Scott Morrison's opportunity to put himself forward again and he won pre-selection and on he went. Off he goes to federal parliament and with the defeat of the Howard government that year, he's in opposition. It wasn't long before he was promoted to the front bench as shadow spokesperson for housing and local government, but he really became a recognisable figure as shadow minister for immigration, a ministerial position he continued when the Abbott government was elected in 2013. Every Friday, there was a press conference that Scott Morrison headed with the then uh, head of our Border Patrol calling to stop the boats. It was Operation Sovereign Borders and it was really his thing. 
And then when Tony Abbott was rolled by Malcolm Turnbull in 2015, Scott Morrison was given the job of Treasurer, furthering his prominence in Australian politics. It's the next leadership spill, though, that saw Morrison take the top job to the dark arts of politics. Claire, how did he manage to do this? Yeah, he sort of came through the middle of the field. So just to go back to that uh, period in 2018, the Liberal Party faltered again on climate and energy policy. You might remember the NEG, the National Energy Guarantee. The neg. Yeah, that was Malcolm Turnbull's moment where he went back to the party room and lost their confidence. There was a leadership spill. Peter Dutton was leading the charge, remember, uh, against Malcolm Turnbull on that. So it wasn't really Morrison's concoction of this whole showdown, but he did put himself forward and he captured the votes of people who didn't want Peter Dutton to be Prime Minister. And then, of course, he won the 2019 federal election. He was then elected Prime Minister. To the big policy areas then, I guess, How would one sum up Scott Morrison's broad agenda? So there's some very classic coalition government stuff, pursuit of a strong economy, uh, tight control of our borders. Uh, There's also a couple of raw commissions running into disabilities and the aged care sector. Uh, Morrison says that they're both priorities and there'll be a lot of things uh, that need to be done when those deliberations are held. And then, then of course, there's policy areas that aren't necessarily driven by the government themselves, things that come up like climate change, given the summer we've had. Something Morrison will be wanting to clearly articulate a position on. What's his plan? So the holding line has been that the government is committed to meeting our Paris climate agreement obligations. Uh, coalition government policy is to reduce emissions by between 26 to 28 per cent on 2005 levels uh, by 2030. That's something that he says that we will meet and beat. And there's a whole bunch of policies under that that he says will get us there. And on religious freedom, this is actually an agenda that the coalition government brought to the fore prior to Scott Morrison becoming Prime Minister, something he's inherited and is currently being widely consulted on. Where's ScoMo at? Yeah, we might need a shortcut on this one yeah, at I think some so. point. A few people have asked for a shortcut <laughs> yeah, on this one. We'll get that's, there. That's right. So the government's premise is that we already have laws to protect people from discrimination on the basis of their race, uh, sex, age or disabilities. The government's conjecture is that religion and discrimination discrimination against your religious belief should also be enshrined in law. And I guess that brings us to one thing that we haven't mentioned, which has been a big part of getting to know Scott Morrison. That's his faith, a big part of who he is, as I said, something he hasn't hidden and something that's been written about and observed by many. Scott Morrison is a Pentecostal, uh, sometimes referred to as an evangelical Protestant. The Morrisons worship at a church that's linked to Hillsong. They count Reverend Brian Houston, who's quite a prominent Hillsong founder, uh, as a friend. And Morrison has said that my personal faith in Jesus Christ is not a political agenda. That comes up, of course, a bit with people trying to ask him how he reconciles his views on things like border security and uh, immigration and detention with his Christianity. And that's your shortcut to Scott Morrison. Let's go now to his political opponent, Anthony Albanese. Albanese, which should actually be pronounced Albanese, he happily accepts the Aussie (laughs) version of Albanese and we're going with it, was raised by his single mother, Mary Ann. He describes himself as half Italian, half Irish and a non-practicing Catholic. When he was young, his mother told him that she'd travelled overseas, met his father, married him overseas, returned to Australia and that he died in a car accident. That wasn't the case though, Claire. 
No, and a few years ago, Albanese spoke about the emotional turmoil of having his mother tell him that his father was actually alive, having believed for all of his life that that he was dead, and then uh, his mother dying, uh, him going and finding his father and having a relationship with him before his death in 2014. Albo grew up in public housing in Sydney's inner west. He was involved in politics at university. He was a key member of the left faction. For those non-political junkies listening, what does this mean? The Labor Party is split up into factions, centre, right and left. That really goes to the political spectrum of of left uh, socialists, sort of more socialist leaning, centre being sort of in the middle and right being more economically focused uh, and free market focused. So Albo is on the left of that, which uh, has really dictated a lot of his political beliefs. And as a side note, all accounts also point to the fact that he had a big following as a DJ during his uni days, Claire. <laughs> DJ Albo. DJ Albo. That myth has kind of morphed into Hot Albo. And um, oh. look, if you're of a mind to do it, just Google Hot Albo. I promise you, you won't see anything gross, <laughs> but you will see a very, very prominent meme and pictures of, of Albo looking very sultry in his uni days. He has been known to DJ more recently, <laughs> yeah. in fact. Yeah, that's right. His true calling always seemed to be politics, though. His first job out of uni was as a staffer for Labor MP. Tom Uren, a big figure in Labor politics. That's right. And after that, he became the Assistant General Secretary of the New South Wales branch of the Labor Party. He had a stint working for former New South Wales Premier Bob Carr and then became the MP for Grainler, which is in Sydney's inner west. He won that seat in 1996, uh, which marked the start of almost 12 years in opposition. That was the year that the Howard government uh, won and went on to win for quite some time. During that time, Albo married Carmel Tebbett, also a member of the left faction of the Labor Party, who went on to become Deputy Premier in New South Wales before retiring from her seat in Marrickville in 2015. They had one son together and have recently separated. Back to his political career, though, as you say, much of it's been spent in opposition until the election of Kevin Rudd in 2007. When Kevin Rudd won government, Albanese became a senior minister and also leader of the House, which is the party's top political and tactical job in the parliament. And in the last throw of the dice for Labor in 2013, before Tony Abbott won government for the coalition, Rudd took back the prime ministership from Julia Gillard, you might remember, Mm -hmm. uh, and Albanese was made deputy prime minister, which is a position that he held for 83 days. Just 83 days. After that 2013 election loss, the time came for Labor to elect a new leader. He threw his hat in the ring. Though, of course, Kevin Rudd had, as a parting gift, implemented new rules for how someone could become party leader. Bear with me. Here we go. (laughs) The new leader would be elected by public members of the Australian Labor Party over a period of 20 days, followed by a ballot of the caucus, which is the Labor Parliamentary Party, so their MPs. Uh, Each of these two voting blocks is weighted equally uh, in determining who the winner is. In 2013, Albanese went up against Bill Shorten. Uh, They both wanted to have the job of leader of the opposition. What happened was that Albanese won 60% of the member vote, but just 36% of the caucus vote. So that saw Shorten elected leader. Quite interesting when you get into the numbers of that one. Yeah. And Albo was made Shadow Minister for Infrastructure, Transport and Regional Development. Of course, in May 2019, Bill Shorten and Labor lost the federal election to Scott Morrison. 
Johnson, an unexpected result that saw Bill Shorten resign on election night. When it came to electing a new leader, it looked like there might be another big ballot process, but former Treasurer Chris Bowen withdrew his candidacy and Albanese took the Labor leadership unopposed. And at 56 years old, that made him the oldest first-time opposition leader in 59 years. It's not that old. Yeah, it's, you got to be, it's a young person's game, leader of the opposition. <laughs> it's a tough job. Claire, there was also a review into the Labor loss, um, given that largely unexpected result. And one of the key findings was that its policy agenda didn't hit the target with voters. What's Albo changed since? We probably still need to see exactly what they do change. But what we know is that Labor has pretty much dumped those policies that targeted property and retirement income for older Australians. Uh, he's also indicated that Labor needs to shift their climate targets, uh, which will bring them more into line with the 2030 timeframes, given we're discussing these things now and they're quite a few years down the road from when they first set up their climate targets as policy. He's also taken up a focus on jobs and the future of work. Um, that's really a reflection of what happened in that election campaign uh, with voters and traditional Labor voters feeling like they were coming after their jobs in mines and those sorts of things. Mm. Uh, also taking on things like free trade agreements, which is also difficult issues for the unions. And that's your shortcut to Anthony Albanese. On to our recommendations. I've included a link to an interview that Jenny Morrison did just after Scott Morrison was elected to be Prime Minister, just about how their lives work, how their relationship works. She's quite candid and it's a good way to, to get an understanding of uh, her and also of Scott Morrison. I've got an opinion piece that Anthony Albanese penned just at the start of 2020 where he's really calling on us, all of us, to make facts and truth the centre of public debate, that we need to stop yelling at each other, which is a really interesting read and I guess um, I'll certainly reflect on that at the end of the year and see if he held up his end of the bargain. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Squish Shortcuts. Search for Squish Shortcuts in your podcast app as there is plenty more where this came from. We've got one on the US-Iran relationship, Huawei, Meghan and Harry, climate change, bushfires in Australia, Julian Assange and many more. Squish Shortcuts is all about giving you the context to the big news stories. Until next time. 